This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, January 14th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, 5G makes its way to Telluride, a day in the life of a miner with Fintan Cole, Montrose Airport says expansion construction off to a great start, and a mountain weather forecast. 5G is coming to Telluride. We cannot prohibit this technology. That's Telluride Planning and Building Director Ron Quarles speaking at a town council work session on Tuesday. He notes the Federal Communications Commission largely ties local jurisdictions' hands when it comes to 5G, or small cell wireless technology. The order does not permit jurisdictions from prohibiting antennas and equipment in the rights of way and they can be installed in any zoning district. We can't zone them out. 5G is the latest form of broadband cellular networks. 5G will utilize small cell antennas uh, that are closer together and at lower heights than antennas and equipment for most 4G. Currently, Telluride has a 4G network, but because the town cannot restrict a wireless provider, like Verizon or AT&T, from coming in and setting up the small cell antennas, town council is taking steps to regulate where they're allowed to go and what they're allowed to look like. The intent is to ensure that the town and not the wireless providers are determining the types of installations that occur. In other words, we would tell them, this is what we, we find acceptable in the town of Telluride. Because, Quarles notes, the small cell antenna could show up all over. Each antenna provides service for a few hundred feet until the next antenna covers the next few hundred feet. Small cell is smaller, but it's closer to where we live, and it's uh, at multiple locations. At this week's work session, council discussed an ordinance amending the town's land use code to address 5G. According to Quarles, small cell antennas typically appear on rooftops or utility poles. That presents some challenges for the town of Telluride since we don't really have the typical utility poles or uh, the taller light poles. So we have to be a little more creative in how we we, um, accommodate this new technology. Under the proposed amendment, Wireless providers are allowed to mount a small cell facility on the wall or roof of a private property or within public rights-of-way. For antennas in the rights-of-way, Telluride recommends incorporating the small cell into a pedestrian light pole rather than a freestanding pole with no use aside from 5G. What What we're trying to do with this ordinance is make it difficult to locate on the street rights-of-way without it being a facility that would replace a street pedestrian line. Um, The standards include similar design, height, and scale with the newest designs implemented by Public Works Works Department. Uh, The replacement pole must be within five feet of the pole it is replacing. Equipment and support facilities must be fully enclosed and housed internally to the pole or underground within an equipment vault. Poles are not allowed to be more than 20 feet tall. Quarles adds the town is prohibiting freestanding poles unless there is no alternative. 
There are no active requests to the town for 5G yet, although Verizon has shown interest. And Public Works Director Paul Rood adds the town still likely has some time before 5G floods in. Remember that these poles need both electricity and fiber optic running to them. And some of that is not really readily available just yet. So I still think we have just a little bit of time. Um, and I think it's great that uh, we've dove into our regulations when we did. Mayor Delaney Young agrees it's important to get a jump on the issue. This is not a question of if, this is a question of when. Town Council unanimously approved the changes to the land use code on first reading. Council will have a final discussion and vote on the matter at a future meeting. You can't touch this. Basketball is on the brain. This week on A Day in the Life of a Minor, Telluride High School's Finton Cole brings the latest. This is Finton Cole on your sports updates. The men's high school basketball team started the season winless over the past four games. Dove Creek was a pain in the butt, so hopefully they'll get their first win against Ridgeway. The women's high school basketball team was even worse. They were winless over six games. Can they win against Mancos and Ignacio, or will they be out before you know it? The lacrosse season starts in late February, and Grayson Fertig is working on the schedule, hoping to find good competitors for his varsity and junior varsity lacrosse teams. Frida is still second or third in the league, so we have another down-to-the-wire game coming up this season. Well, that was short, but that was your sports update. See you next week. Anyone flying through Montrose Regional Airport in the coming months will notice some changes. The airport is in the midst of a $40 million expansion to add about 30,000 square feet to the roughly 40,000 square foot terminal. So we're almost doubling the size of our terminal. That's Lloyd Arnold, director of aviation for the airport. The expansion, he explains, has been in the works for about six years. The main goal, predictably, is more space for travelers. We're going to have additional hold room, additional gates. And the hold room is the area where the passengers are waiting after they pass through the TSA. New amenities is another piece. We're going to have two new restaurants, a dedicated bar, three new gates. The construction, which kicked off late last year, is slated to take a little less than two years. As it takes place, Arnold acknowledges the airport experience will be diminished. That's to be expected during a construction project like this. Um, we simply don't have enough room to provide the same amenities while we're under construction. So they'll see increased wait times and less space in the terminal. The food service uh, is not quite the same. We still offer food and beverage service, but it is, it is not to the level that we had prior to the construction. Baggage claim has also been moved outside. That was really our only option. Uh, we had to close off a portion of the terminal to expand north. And that portion of the terminal uh, included the baggage claim. Luckily, those temporary changes won't be in place through the whole expansion, just for the first part, which Arnold anticipates will be done before the end of 2022. 
In the meantime, Arnold recommends getting to the airport two and a half hours early to account for the construction delays. The following phase, focusing on the south side, will kick off toward the end of the year and mainly affect the ticketing area before the TSA security check. Arnold expects that phase will be quicker than the north expansion and less disruptive. We'll still have the same amount of space that we have now to the south, except more common area in the terminal overall. Uh, the south expansion will be much less impactful to the customer than the north expansion. So far, Arnold says construction has been going great. At this point, he adds, they're even on pace to finish early. Looking ahead, Arnold doesn't say there are any plans to increase the number of flights traveling through the newly expanded airport. Rather, he explains the goal is for supply to meet demand. If we see that there's a demand for increased flights, um, there's a possibility that um, the flights might increase. We certainly want to pay attention to uh, oversaturation growing too quickly, but we've always been able to um, kind of keep that in check and monitor that. More information on the Montrose Regional Airport expansion construction is available at flymontrose.com. Even during the winter, a benefit to living in the Rockies is the sun shining down, warming the day, and if you have solar panels, providing electricity for your home. But installing solar panels may be difficult. There's the cost, time, finding an installer. With that said, Mountain Village is trying to make the process a little easier. Mountain Village, working with nonprofit Solar United Neighbors, is collaborating with San Miguel County, San Miguel Power Association, Solar Energy International, and EcoAction Partners to create the Uncompagre Solar Co-op. The co-op is free to join for homeowners in Mountain Village and San Miguel County. Co-op members will learn about solar energy and use their collective numbers to purchase individual solar systems at a discounted group price. The Uncompagre Solar Co-op will host a launch event next week for residents to learn more about the project. The event will take place on Wednesday, January 19th from 4 to 6 p.m. at Mountain Village Town Hall. There is also a Zoom option. Attending the event is not a commitment to join the co-op. It's officially winter in the Grand Mesa and Compagre and Gunnison National Forests, and the GMUG wants recreators to be prepared. The GMUG reminds individuals to plan ahead of any trip, choosing a destination to travel wisely, and having a backup plan if something goes wrong. They also encourage people to always bring extra layers, a shovel, food, and water. For those recreating in the backcountry, the GMUG reminds individuals to research trails before heading out, checking the Colorado Avalanche Information Center, knowing your gear and how to use it in the instance of an emergency. The GMUG reminds that most national forest campgrounds are closed and inaccessible during the winter, as are motorized trails and roads. All in all, the national forests want people to be safe, smart, and have fun in the outdoors this winter. More information is available at fs.usda.gov gmug. Details are emerging around a new deal to keep more water in Lake Mead. As KUNC's Alex Hager reports, the city of Phoenix will take cutbacks over the next two years. The steadily drying Colorado River is forcing big cities to rethink the amount of water they use. As part of the so-called 500-plus plan, Phoenix will take payoffs in exchange for using less. 
Cynthia Campbell is a water lawyer for the city. She says it wasn't about the money. We really need to think about more long-range solutions to the overt problem that every water user in the Colorado River Basin is going to have, and that is, is that there is less water in that river than anyone ever anticipated. Homes in Phoenix won't notice the change as reductions will come from excess water that was headed for storage. Farmers, tribes, and other cities in the southwest are also expected to take cuts as part of the plan. I'm Alex Hager. As climate change becomes more front and center across the world, communities are looking to transition away from fossil fuels. This winter, KOTO is partnering with stations in the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition to report a series of stories looking at that shift. Today, we're heading up north. As the Biden administration aims to speed up the transition away from fossil fuels and combat climate change, many of the battles between conservationists and business interests are being waged over federal land across the vast Mountain West. Will Walkie of KHOL Jackson reports from Wyoming, where millions of acres and thousands of livelihoods are at stake. Ann Chambers' Noble's roots run deep in Sublette County. She's owned a cattle ranch for years in Cora, population 142. My husband and I have descendants of the longest continuous black Angus herd in the state of Wyoming. One of Noble's many side hustles is being a local writer and historian. And she says it's pretty hard to tell the story of Sublet County without mentioning fossil fuels, and in particular, a natural gas boom that occurred in the late 90s and early 2000s. This was the, the best of times and the worst of times. And it really was that all in the same sentence. The local well count exploded from just 58 in 1997 to more than 1,300 only four years later. Noble says nearly every aspect of local life was affected by the boom. We went from barely being able to pay salaries for teachers, our classrooms were getting too big, to huge revenues available for our schools. We were one of the first schools in the nation that bought every kid a computer. But there were also downsides. Noble remembers feeling like all of a sudden she should lock her doors because she didn't know all of her neighbors. Impacts on wildlife and drinking water have also been well documented. The pollution was was terrible. And I remember that vividly. I remember I had um, high school daughters that we had to decide as parents whether we were going to have them go to ski practice or not. The ozone level was so dangerous it wasn't safe for them to be exercising outside. Ten miles from Noble's Ranch, there are still natural gas rigs dotting the sagebrush landscape and groaning with the wind over a decade after the boom died down. About 80% of the land leased for drilling in Sublet County is federal, and several fossil fuel companies looking for their next hotspot think there might be more resources available here. Steve Degenfelder is land manager for Kirkwood Oil & Gas, based in Casper. He prospects for new mining and drilling spots across the West. So uh, rest assured that most of the actions that, that we propose involve the federal government. I deal with them on a daily, daily basis, not just hypothetical. But since the Biden administration came to power, he says it's been difficult to do his job. In early 2021, the Interior Department suspended new oil and gas leasing on public land, a decision that was reversed later in the year due to various legal challenges. And while a delayed sale is expected in 2022, hundreds of parcels, including many in Sublet County, are no longer on the market because of environmental concerns. 
Degenfelder disagrees with that choice. You know, we're in between a rock and a hard place. You know, we've exposed a bunch of money, but we can't develop any prospect until we have the lease picture. The Interior Department also recently announced that a complete overhaul of the federal oil and gas leasing system, both on and offshore, is in order. And many conservationists are welcoming of the move, including Jesse Prentice Dunn, policy director for the Center for Western Priorities. The laws are 100 years old, and the industry gets to dictate almost every step from where they want to drill, the low rates they pay to get the leases, the low rates they pay to taxpayers when they drill it, and then uh, the requirements to clean it up. Prentice Dunn says Wyoming's resources for recreation or renewable energy shouldn't take a back seat to fossil fuels. He also argues that the president's actions haven't been that disruptive. In fact, the number of active oil and gas drilling rigs in Wyoming tripled during the leasing pause. Right now, there are more than 25 million acres of our public lands that are leased for oil and gas, and about half of those are just sitting idle. They got a huge stockpile. They got thousands of drilling permits that have been approved, but they haven't used. For now, the leasing system will continue as it has been, with minimal changes despite all the noise from the federal government. Back at her ranch, Noble says many locals would welcome future leasing for the jobs, but others are against any new development. Her opinion lands somewhere in the middle. I guess we all have to recognize that we are part of the demand. And if we're part of the demand, we're enabling that drilling. They've got to get it somewhere. It's here. The question is whether Sublet County will see another drilling boom or if the country will decide Wyoming's fossil fuels are better off staying in the ground. For KHOL and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Will Walkie in Cora, Wyoming. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 20% chance of snow showers tonight with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 15 degrees. Saturday should be sunny during the day and clear at night with a high around 40 degrees and a low near 25. Sunday calls for sunny skies with a high in the mid-40s. Sunday night expect mostly clear skies with a low around 25 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, January 14th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.